You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This episode of Gators Breakdown is brought to you by my bookie. The 12 days of giveaways are here at MyBookie. Sign up at MyBookie.ag. Use our promo code GATORS on your first deposit to redeem a bonus of up to $200. This episode of Gators Breakdown is also brought to you by Shark Coatings. Get a different kind of gift this holiday season. Visit SharkFloorCoatings.com when you need professional floor coating services done right the first time. Want more Gators Breakdown? Join Gators Breakdown Plus starting at $3 a month. Get access to unique episodes, plus a blog, chat room, giveaways, shoutouts, and more. Gators Breakdown Plus is furthering the interaction with fans and listeners like you. Head to GatorsBreakdown.SupportingCast.FM to join Gators Breakdown Plus today. Gators Breakdown. Because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Coming at you right here if you're watching this live. Hey, this lunchtime, Friday, December 23rd. Still talking National Signing Day, Early Signing Day. I mean, everybody calls it something different <laughs> this, this early signing day. Uh, but that's, we're going to kind of just continue the conversation right here. You guys see in the title, uh, for this Gators class, quality over quantity. And look, that's just for me just speaking right at Florida's class and the, the, the approach by Florida. That's not you know quality compared to other teams, though if you look at the average, it's pretty up there uh, you know, as far as average with these 20 commits go. Uh, but of course, when you start comparing it to the elites, it's still, you know, it's not that type of quality. So bringing you this episode here uh, to kind of talk about that. And also, you guys know, going through a little bit of technical issues. I've been testing uh, behind the scenes, have not been able to replicate it. So going live here one more time. If it happens again, I apologize. It's kind of troubleshooting uh, at, at the same time uh, here with, uh, with with the technical issues I've been having. Tried trying some different things here. Hopefully everything uh, goes smoothly <laughs> for this episode. But uh, another way to only figure it out is to go live and, and, and try and hopefully not replicate the issue, uh, replicate some parts of it, and hopefully I won't fall out here uh, once again. So everybody, thank you for joining me here. Happy holidays, by the way. Uh, Christmas coming up, everybody. Thank you so much for uh, uh, supporting Gators Breakdown along the way. I hope everybody out there uh, throwing this episode there for you because uh, next week I'll be uh, celebrating the holidays out of town. Uh, so it won't uh, be much Gators Breakdown content next week, if at all. Uh, so 
throwing you some more, uh, another episode here as we can kind of continue the conversation uh, around early signing day and uh, the news of Michael Tarquin, uh, offensive lineman for the Gators, who was expected to have a starting role next year, surprisingly on Thursday night, announced that he's going to transfer from the University of Florida. So Florida's offensive line takes a hit. Uh, one position didn't really need to take a hit, as I said, especially projected starter here for Michael Tarkin. So we'll get into that, too, uh, on this episode of Gators Breakdown. But we'll start it, you know, talking about the Gators class, some of the recent news uh, on Thursday as well that kind of affected Florida's class, helped some others <laughs> out there that didn't really need any more help. Uh, but, uh, yeah, plenty to get into right here on this episode of Gators Breakdown. Everybody, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so yet. If you're watching live on YouTube, thank you so much. Like while you're in here with this chat, with this episode, and follow us on Gators Breakdown Plus. All the conversation going on there in that Discord server. Keep the conversation going. A lot going on there. Still talking recruiting, transfer portal, all that good stuff on the Gators Breakdown Plus Discord. Link is in the description if you want to join. So, right, let's go through one more time. Let's update the rankings. Uh, we're going by 24-7 Sports Composite here. And we, I think, have to update the rankings a bit after you know some misses by Florida on Thursday. Expected misses, if you listen to us on Wednesday and kind of leading up to early signing day, you had the Thursday decisions of defensive back, cornerback Desmond Ricks. When it looked like it was trending LSU for him, Started getting some word on Wednesday evening that, hey, this could be not LSU now, and maybe Florida's getting into it more, uh, and Alabama is the team to watch out for. Well, Desmond Ricks decides on Thursday that he will commit to Alabama. So strengthen, strengthens the number one, the already number one class, and builds on that number one class with another five-star for Alabama. Seven five-stars in this class for Alabama. You know, Florida was in this one uh, in the mix for a while uh, with Desmond Ricks, multiple visits to Florida, uh, but was not able uh, to pull him once he reclassified. Um, looked like it was LSU, and then Alabama comes in, sweeps him up at the end right here. So five-star cornerback Desmond Ricks on Thursday chose Alabama. And then another one on Thursday, defensive lineman Jordan Hall, Florida-Georgia battle late. And look, I, if you had listened to Gators Breakdown or if you follow recruiting – I've been trending Georgia, was sticking with Georgia most of the way. I do think Florida maybe somewhat closed the gap a little bit, but I don't think was ever really able to overtake Georgia in the mind of Jordan Hall. Georgia able to sell so much uh, there with, with their recruiting and their winning uh, and what they're able to do in development. You see it right there. Jordan Hall commits to Georgia over Florida on Thursday. So, that one stings even more than Ricks, uh, a, a position of need at defensive tackle for the Gators. Georgia comes into Jacksonville right up the road, able to take a high-level defensive lineman away from the Gators. And there you go. Uh, that gives Georgia 27 commits, two five-stars, 21 four-stars in their class, four three-stars. So all that to say updated rankings didn't really change much. It just helped the top two recruiting classes in the country with Alabama and Georgia. So Alabama stays number one. Their average ranking, 94.9. As I said, Florida is fifth in average ranking. But if you go by Alabama and they're 94.9, Florida is 
three. Woo. Full two points behind. That's a let you know what seven five stars and 24 stars <laughs> will do for you. So Alabama number one, Georgia number two, Texas comes in at number three. They have the yeah, four five stars in their class, uh, 11 four stars. Uh, Miami at number four for right now. Cormani McLean still included because he is a commit there. Uh, but it does now look like he will not commit early. So we may be waiting till February for Kermani McLean and his decision. Does Colorado get involved? Does this give more time for other big programs now to get involved in the Kermani McLean sweepstakes? Uh, you know, you, you'll hear Florida and Florida mentioned, uh, but I don't think uh, I don't. I, I wouldn't. Wouldn't. Um, Sorry, having to answer a work text right quick. <laughs> Sorry about that, guys. Uh, but for Miami, of course, waiting on Cormani McLean. I wouldn't look for Florida. I think they'll get in the conversation. I wouldn't expect Cormani McLean to really end up in this class, given the latest circumstances uh, here. So uh, Oklahoma, number five. They jumped Ohio State, by the way. Uh, so now Oklahoma with a top five class. Brent Venables in his first full class, his first full year uh, being able to pull a top five class as it stands right now in the 24-7 sports composite. L- uh, Ohio State drops to six. LSU, seven. Notre Dame, eight. Tennessee, nine. Clemson, 10. Oregon, 11. And Florida stays at 12. Uh, so there was a chance, of course, for Florida. Um, I wasn't trying to lead anybody on. I was letting you know how Thursday was probably going to go. But if there was any surprises there, uh, and Florida maybe with some late, late, late magic uh, to maybe pull a Desmond Ricks and or Jordan Hall, Florida would, would have firmly been up in the top 10, uh, not that far behind Clemson and Oregon. Uh, and look, I think for Florida, looking at this 12th-ranked class, Caden Jones, the offensive lineman out there, not highly-ranked offensive lineman, three-star offensive lineman, offensive tackle there from Louisiana, um, Florida-Texas A&M battle, Florida looking good there. Uh, that commit, if nothing else changes right now, he's going to commit January 7th on an all-star game. If Florida was able to land Caden Jones, that would be enough right now. If everything stays the same, to jump Oregon. Uh, so you would look at Florida giving, getting the 11th-ranked class on the 24-7 sports composite if Caden Jones commits to the Gators. All right, so there you go. Gets you updated. There was a lot of movement on Thursday as well. Remember, Wednesday is just the beginning of the early signing period. Um, I forget the exact window here right off the top of my head, but you know, there's a few weeks here of this, of this signing period, this early signing period. Uh, so that's why you saw so much action on Thursday as well. Uh, but unfortunately, <laughs> much of it was for Alabama and for Georgia. All right. So let's uh, take a look at this Gator class some more. I did some more digging, did some more research, just kind of just taking a look at the class. And look, I'm not trying to really spin this as a quality over quantity and everything's A-OK. But that that was Florida's approach here. And um, it it is true. There is, for Florida's class, and probably how you would label it, quality over quantity. Only 20 commits, as I said. Uh, Ohio State has the same number of commits. They are ranked sixth. Uh, But I did mention... You know, Florida and their average ranking being up there fifth in the country right now. So that's one feather you can stick in your cap. Now, whether you want to call that spin, whether you want to call that uh, maybe sunshine and rainbows, that's your prerogative. And and probably some ways you're right. You know, I would like to have this average and Florida have 23 commits. 
you know, 24 commits, you know, getting a, a five star or so in there. The average actually would have went up, <laughs> but uh, that's where Florida is right now. And taking a look at the top of the class, that was something I wanted to do. The top five players uh, for the class uh, for for the Gators, and I'm gonna pull that up right here. And Jake Rashada, Kelby Collins, Aiden Mazel, Dijon Johnson, Eugene Wilson. There's your top five. Uh, that was three on offense and two on defense. So remember the storylines of this class and coming along so 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 much in this class was it was defensive dominated. Now it did end up that way as far as numbers go. It was twelve on defense, eight on offense. So a little closer than it was looking at some point, but. Uh, throughout the process, we were really leaning towards on this defense as the difference makers and the top of the class. Uh, and then as it went on, kind of surprising when you go back and look at it, that the top five in the class, Jaden Rashada, Aiden Mazel, Eugene Wilson, three of the top five were on offense. Your quarterback and two receivers he's going to be throwing to in the coming years. So I found that pretty interesting, especially if you – followed this Gator recruiting class and the storylines that we went through, you know, month after month. And then, so you go to the top 10 of the players, and that will extend to Roderick Kearney, Jakeem Jackson, Cameron James, Jordan Castell, and TJ Searcy. You can tell. That's where the defense starts. <laughs> the defense starts really getting on, and now you change the number. While it was three on offense, two on defense in the top 10, or the top five, the top 10 gives you four on offense, and six on defense. You only add one more offensive player when you go to the top 10, that being offensive lineman Roger Kearney. Top 15, five on offense, 10 on defense. It starts to separate even more. Will Norman, Sharif Denson, Gavin Hill, Trayon Webb, Aaron Gates. And then the last five in the class, Andy Jean, Bryce Thornton, Jaden Robinson, Najee Harris, Bryce Lovett. So the end of the class has two more offensive linemen that you throw in there, and Andy Jean uh, for the offensive side of the ball. So all in all, all 20, eight on offense, 12 on defense. Now, no issue there for the quantity on defense. We know that's Florida's biggest issue. Florida really needed to hit the trenches on defensive line. We still need some defensive tackle help. Uh, looks like right now that's going to be the transfer portal. Uh, there were, I guess, with this 20 com- these 20 commits – you know, could Florida have maybe squeezed their way into the top 10 by going out and maybe getting four or five three stars to add to the class and just adding bodies? Now, that is an argument. You're going to need some bodies, um, but it does not look like this staff. I do think some of the misses there, you know, they were, okay, if we miss, either there was no backup plan or they just were not going to reach and just fill the class in with bodies. Um, so that, that's different couple different ways to look at it i'm not privy enough to that information to know um if you know if there were backup plans once you know florida started feeling good just a couple of weeks ago after the big visit weekend and then not being able to follow up you know another offensive lineman once okinola commits elsewhere or uh walker john walker out of orlando sticking with his commitment to ucf and then trending jordan hall in georgia you know, you miss on the two high-level defensive tackles. Doesn't look like Florida was going to go and fill a body after those two guys. So, you know, the Florida could have went and just uh, maybe worked their way into the top ten, filled with some bodies. But that wasn't the plan here. 
Now, Florida's sticking with their 20 commits. No late reaches, no late offerings on signing day. And actually, didn't even send Isaiah Nixon, another edge outside linebacker defensive end type that was in the Gators class. He didn't even get sent a letter, a letter of intent from the Gators. So it's like Florida was content, at least on signing day, of where they were at with the 20 and maybe hoping for some late flips or late turns in the trending directions of Jordan Hall and Desmond Ricks. So let's just take a look at it. On offense, starting there with Jaden Rashada, your quarterback, a 97.42 rating. Aiden Mazel, Eugene Wilson, two high-level wide receivers there for the Gators. Roger Kearney, your offensive lineman, high-level offensive lineman, going to be there probably in that interior, your future right guard, I think, there for the Gators. Trayon Webb, Andy Jean, Najee Harris, Bryce Lovett. That makes your offensive line class right there in the average of 92.41 for the Gators on the offensive side of the ball. Really like what they were able to do at quarterback and receiver. And most of this receiver class was put together without Jaden Rashad in the classroom. Remember that. I think I spoke on that a little bit in the last episode when we were looking at this class, but one more shout out to Kerry Colbert and being able to pull this wide receiver class together when there wasn't much production on the field to kind of say, wow, look at those Gator receivers. And these guys were already in the class. And even after seeing the product on the field, stayed in the class. Then you were able, late in the process, to add the quarterback to this. You know, Florida had Marcus Stokes in the class during the summertime. Uh, and you know, he, he helps in the Jacksonville area some, but I'm not sure. And even some of these wide receiver recruits committed around the same time he did. He wasn't the type of quarterback that was going to pull in these type of receivers. It looks like these were sales from vision and sales from hope uh, from the Gator staff, namely Billy Napier, Kerry Colbert, to pull in the likes of Aiden Mazel, Eugene Wilson, and Andy Jean. And then being able to hang on to those guys. Andy Jean looked like you know, he was taking all those visits and maybe somewhat of a flip candidate as everything was playing out this season. But Mazel and Wilson, you didn't hear, hear a peep out of those guys. And I think it was Eugene Wilson who just wanted to shut it down. He wanted to commit to Florida and just shut recruiting down and, and commit to his senior season of high school. And you're able to flip Kearney from FSU. Remember that. So you hurt FSU along the way by bringing in Roderick Kearney, a position of need for the Gators on the offensive line, and even more so after we get into the uh, Michael Tarquin storyline of him transferring away. But that's more of a tackle. Kearney's not going to play tackle. I don't believe so when it's all said and done. And then Trayon Webb. Guys, think about this. A year ago, Florida brought in Trevor Etienne at running back, and you kind of had the luxury of, okay, you can work him in, and if he earns his way into a spot, he's got to really earn his way because at the time, Florida was deep at the running back position. I mean, go back to a, a year ago or go back into going into spring football, and it was Montreal Johnson and Naquan Wright, Lorenzo Lingard, Demarcus Bowman, and then Trevor Etienne as the fifth guy coming in. And then lo and behold, we get our first depth chart going into the Utah game, and Trevor Etienne is listed above one Lorenzo Lingard by surprise. 
making the, making him the third back. Or no, fourth back at the time. Well, hold on. Am I, am I misremembering that? You had Naquan Wright. Yeah, third. Naquan Wright, Montreal Johnson, DeMarcus Bowman was already gone. And then a third on the depth chart was Trevor Etienne. Guys, when we start spring practice, Trayon Webb's already going to be the third back because of the transfers of Naquan Wright and Lorenzo Lingard. So Trayon Webb's going to come in right away. And you got some experience there, of course, with ETN and Montreal Johnson. So this is Trayon Webb's time in the spring to go get the reps because he's, he's going to be getting a lot of reps already because he's going to be the third running back on the roster. And we'll see what Florida does, if anything, in the transfer portal at the running back position. But as a true freshman coming in, if we're listing it right now, he's already third on the depth chart. And we know Billy Napier's going to play some freshman running backs because he's done it the last two years. Montreal Johnson, a lot of carries at Louisiana. And then Trevor Etienne last year. And two more offensive linemen, Najee Harris, Bryce Lovett. Najee Harris looks like your future center right there for the Gators. So average 92.41 right there for the defense for the Gators. All right, let's go. And let's hear from Billy Napier. If you guys didn't uh, listen to the National Signing Day press conference there, uh, Billy Napier was asked about the highest commit in the class, your quarterback, hopefully leader, going down the road, Jaden Rashada. I can't compliment uh, Jaden enough relative to who he is as a person, as a leader, his character. Um, you know, Jaden's a guy who came here, fell in love with the University of Florida, you know, and really connected with a lot of people here, you know, and it was um, sincere and certainly comes from a, an unbelievable family. You know, his mom, his dad, his sister, um, you know, just uh, nothing but respect for them uh, and the young man that they've raised. So, I mean, they had a fantastic senior year, made a huge uh, playoff run, came up a little short in the uh, state title there, but just a uh, phenomenal run there as a senior. That's always a good sign, I think. So, you know, one of the more highly regarded quarterbacks in the country, I think a ball really jumps out of his hand. Um, you know, he's a junkie. He loves the game. He's all about the work. I think he's got a good sturdy frame that we can add weight to. Uh, but just been very impressed with him um, and his approach. I'm certainly excited that he's going to be here January 8th and he's coming down to play an all-star game here uh, soon in the state and, you know, we'll come right over. So look forward to working with him. So he made an initial decision to another school. How did you and your staff just work through that and not let that be something that deterred you from continuing to come after him? You know, I just, I think we felt like the, the connection was real. You know, I mean, we felt like there was something there. You know, I think we were really close. And then obviously a lot goes into these decisions. But um, uh, certainly as time uh, went on, we, we, um, we were consistent there. And I think the things that, uh, there was common ground, you know, and I think the connection was real. So just think there's a high level of trust on both ends there. There you go. High level of trust there. Billy Napier points to on Jaden Rashad. And look, that, that's the storyline that I heard the whole time. Even when he committed to Miami, he liked Florida better. Uh, and we know everything going on behind the scenes of college football right now and the guys of NIL. 
But Jaden Rashad, <laughs> he really, really liked Florida. Uh, and in the end, that's where he ends up, as a Gator. And believe me, that, 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 that summertime storyline <laughs> of Jaden Rashad committing to Miami uh, would be kind of a precursor, in a way, to a lot of the, the battles uh, for, for, for Florida-Miami. And it looks, some, of them, some of them even before that uh, were Jaden Rashad there. But in the end, Florida gets their guy at quarterback. Uh, and was able to recruit him very well. Ryan O'Hara, also very instrumental there, uh, the recruitments of, of, of Jaden Machado and DJ Lagway in the 24 class. So Florida gets their guy at the quarterback, Jaden Machado. Hopefully you know, he'll be coming in here in spring. Um, I think Billy Napier even mentioned he'll have an all-star game, of course. I think the one in Orlando, I think that's the Under Armour game. And then should be right after that just driving to Gainesville uh, right after that and taking part and being becoming into this class. We'll get into the early enrollees too here in just a second. Uh, but he will be one. So you get your quarterback here early and able to take reps in spring football coming up. So right, we'll just do uh, – we'll go through the defense as well. But before we do, plenty of action at my bookie. Bowl games, college, college football, all these bowl games coming up. A lot of them coming up now. You're about to hit that swing of bowl games around the holidays, week, you know, in between – Christmas and New Year's. NFL playoff push. A lot of high-level games going on there. Go get the best from some teams coming up at the end of this season. Get in on all the action this holiday season at my bookie. And they're in the giving spirit with 12 straight days of giveaways. From odds boost to casino chips to straight up blocks, my bookie's 12 days of giveaways is a can't-miss promotion. It started on December 21st and it ends on January 1st. You can bring in your new year right with giveaways that can help fill your stocking with cash this season. Sign up at MyBookie. Use promo code Gators on your first deposit to redeem a bonus of up to $200. Again, that's promo code Gators to claim a brand new deposit bonus designed for betters looking to cash in and cash out quick. Experience sports in a whole new light and make this season a winning one. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. You know the goosebumps you get when Florida takes the field? Or when that 63-yard Hail Mary actually works? Or the thrill of a game-winning interception in the end zone? What a rush. You can experience that same rush every day at your home with Shark Coatings. We'll cover your old, ugly concrete with a beautiful industrial concrete coating and a warranty that lasts longer than most careers in professional football. So whether your garage floor is for parking, partying, or working out, Shark Coatings can transform it. And if your pool deck is starting to look like a bulldog, old, cracked, and smells like pee, Shark Coatings can transform that too. Shark Coatings is easy to clean, stain resistant, and is 100% antibacterial and antimicrobial. We're easy on the eyes and on the maintenance. Gator Nation is worldwide, and Shark Coatings is based right in the heart of it. So whether you live in Brunswick, Georgia, or Live Oak, Florida, down to Ocala, over to New Smyrna Beach, or anywhere in between, Contact us for a free estimate today. Learn more at sharkfloorcoatings.com. That's sharkfloorcoatings.com. All right, there we go. We're from our sponsors, MyBookie and Shark Coatings. Thanks for all their help this year in supporting Gators Breakdown. Hope you guys support them as well. All right, let's take a look at the defense now one more time in this Early signing day class, starting at the top. Kelby Collins, a 97.3 rating there for the defensive lineman. You'll hear from Billy Napier in just a second about the thoughts on him. Dijon Johnson back there in the secondary, able to 
basically flip him from Ohio State. It wasn't an instant flip, but it was kind of Florida to get in and get in on the the flip talk there to Dijon Johnson. Remember late July, all the talk of getting him decommitted from Ohio State, and most thought it was going to be an instant flip to Florida. And we had uh, not we, but you had out there the articles that were already written and released that he had flipped to Florida when that wasn't the case, and um, anyway. Everybody kind of knew it was just only a matter of time. Uh, but Dijon Johnson flipped from Ohio State. And look, one of those, Ohio State's been able to come into the state, of course, and just dominate, especially in South Florida, wide receiver recruiting under Brian Hartline, coming into the state and just p- picking whatever wide receivers they want. Well, you know, Johnson was a DB they were coming in here to get. Florida was able to basically flip Dijon Johnson away from Ohio State. Jakeem Jackson, you guys know if you listened to the last episode when we were recapping National Signing Day, one of my top players in this class. Very versatile, very fast. I think he's just going to be a playmaker at the defensive back position for the Gators, at cornerback. I'm very, very high on Jakeem Jackson. Uh, Miami tried to come in sometime in the fall, get him on campus, try to flip him, but he stays strong with the Gators. Cam James, big defensive lineman. Sean Spencer really, really likes the potential of one Cameron James, Jordan Castell going to come in with that defensive back. And that defensive backfield plays safety there for the Gators. TJ Searcy was what that uh, July 4th flip, I believe, or not flip, commit uh, right there. And we're able to kind of fend him off from you know Georgia, the likes of Alabama, Georgia, Auburn. Same with Kelby Collins, too. Uh, you guys remember uh, talking about him so much. I thought he was going to be uh, an Alabama commit when it was all said and done. Uh, but when he was ready to make his decision, the Gators were to pick. Perhaps one of the more important ones because he was the only one Florida brought in as a true defensive tackle was Will Norman. I uh, was supposed to play at IMG, then transferred back up north, played his college ball up north. Hopefully somewhat of a... Uh, impact early on in his career as a defensive tackle. I don't really expect true freshmen to come in and make an instant impact at defensive tackle, but hopefully can make some kind of an impact, maybe even a McClellan-level impact next year and then hopefully take off year after that. But Florida needs some defensive tackle help. They need more defensive tackle help after missing on Walker and Hall, but you were able to get Will Norman in the fold. Sharif Denson, very versatile player there in the defensive backfield for the Gators. Had an interview with him. If you want to go back, search Gators Breakdown into Sharif Denson. There was a one-on-one interview with Sharif Denson back right after he committed to the Gators. So you can listen to that. Local kid where I'm from here in Jacksonville. Uh, Billy Napier raved about him. You couldn't go anywhere in the area and talk to high school football coaches without Sharif Denson's name being brought up. Big-time versatile player there in the defensive backfield for the Gators. I see him in that nickel role for the Gators. Aaron Gates is another guy to bring up. He listed as an athlete, but probably going to play safety for the Gators as well. Billy Napier, we, we kind of knew that, but Billy Napier mentioned that in his press conference on Aaron Gates, uh, looking at him as a safety there, along with Bryce Thornton, another safety from the state of Georgia. Uh, most people think he's one of the more under— like him and Andy Gene more the— the underrated players in the class. And I know that gets that that that, that happens a lot. Um, there will be guys who outplay their ratings and guys who don't live up to their ratings. And two that are being pegged as outplaying their ratings are Bryce Thornton and Andy Jean. 
remember that. Keep an eye on those. There are a lot of people pegging those guys as the the three stars that will outplay their rankings, their ratings. And then the only linebacker the Gators brought in, Jade Robinson from Lake City, right outside of here in Jacksonville. Not far from Gainesville either. Gators missing on some linebackers in the class. Pup Howard, Lewis Carter, Malik Bryant, Robinson in the class. So uh, Billy Napier mentioned it in his press conference. I don't know if you guys missed this date, but he scored a touchdown on defense in seven straight games this past season. So Jaden Robinson, a playmaker at the linebacker spot, and would not be surprised if he's hot and heavy in the reps in spring practice. Six foot, 221. Looking for him to be that sideline to sideline linebacker. Average rating of 92.29. Surprisingly, the offense had a higher average rating of 92.41. But that's kind of where it is, of course, when you look at the Gators. And we knew their rating was, you know, that 92 rating. The average of 92.34 was fifth highest in the country. 92.41 on offense and 92.29 on the defense. So just like we heard from Billy Napier and the top player in the class, Jaden Rashada, well, let's hear from Billy Napier and the top defensive prospect in the class, Kelby Collins. Some really unique players when you look at this group, uh, Kelby being, uh, I think, one of the, you know, just turn the tape on, one of the more polished, uh, ready-to-play players in the country, just fundamentally advanced, um, you know, 6'4", 260 pounds, and really a violent player, plays with effort. You know, he's he's uh, comes from an unbelievable uh, family, just his mom and dad, um, their character, their competitors, you know, he's been raised. Um, that might have been the cleanest house I've ever been in, okay? If that, I think sometimes that's an indicator of things. But, um, you know, Kelby's mom and dad um, got a younger brother's grandma. I mean, they're just awesome, salt of the earth. Um, and he's a reflection of them, you know. And uh, certainly um, he's a leader. He's been a leader in this class, and certainly he's going to be here in January. Uh, and a guy that I think is... Um, in prime position to be a difference maker. So he's got some uh, leadership traits. And, um, you know, he's a hard worker and a guy that I think is, um, you know, it's a big deal for him to be a Gator. All right, big deal there for Kelby Collins to be a Gator. And as I said, that was one I was writing off most of the time. It was like, you know, Florida, that was a Florida-Alabama battle. And that was one, you know, don't get me wrong, Alabama was able to rebound quote-unquote rebound. We knew they were probably going to get theirs. And, of course, the defensive lineman combo of Quay Rousseau and, and uh, Smith there uh, were able to, <laughs> the two five-stars from in-state Alabama, uh, end up going to Alabama. So it's not like it really hurt Alabama not you know too much to not get Kelby Collins, but that was one Florida just needed to get for their class, make their class better, uh, and was able to pull him there um, uh, back in the summertime. So there you go. A little bit of look there kind of how the ratings broke out from each player on the offensive side, the defensive side, going through those guys one more time right here on Gators Breakdown. So, of course, the big um, 
come out um, or coming out of early signing day or which guys are going to be early enrollees. And there was some confusion coming out of there from, you know, what Billy Napier was saying in his press conference of how many, there were going to be 20 guys that are early enrollees. And I think Billy Napier was going ahead and putting transfers into that. He wasn't talking about the 20 signees Florida has. So we're still kind of waiting on Taraja Mitchell, well, the linebacker uh, from Ohio State, to make that official, but most think he's in the class committed to the Gators. Uh, Wisconsin quarterback Graham Mertz, that's two of them right there, and that would probably take the place of Gavin Hill, who's not an early enrollee, and Eugene Wilson, the wide receiver, is not an early enrollee. Every other name we just went over here on Gators Breakdown is going to early enroll into the class. They'll be ready for spring ball as long as they're healthy enough to go through spring ball. So big time, guys got to get adjusted. That's a high number. I mean, that's kind of that's more the norm now, honestly, for high school prospects is to come in as an early enrollee and go through spring practice. But as far as the high school recruits go, Gavin Hill, which is locally there in Gainesville, and Eugene Wilson, only two that are not going to be taken part as an early enrollee. All right, so I think another theme we can kind of go through right quick while we're talking recruiting before we get to uh, the Michael Tarquin uh, transfer, uh, and kind of goes with that maybe some in a way, is uh, maybe a sense of urgency from this, from the program. Um, I think from the staff, I think a sense of urgency of maybe getting some more guys to commit while they're on campus. Um, Would that make a difference in some of the good feelings Florida has, then only to lose those good feelings as guys leave campus when they've given silence to the staff, but then going on to go to other places. Uh, most of the time, when you get that public commit, it does, it does stick more so than every time we hear about the good feelings and every time we hear about the silence, for only for those guys to go somewhere else. Uh, so maybe a sense of urgency there to get some of these guys to go public. And maybe there's reasons they don't go public. But the word is, you know, you've gotten some silence to cycle that didn't pan out. And now maybe a sense of urgency, too, for, for the staff and, and, and Billy Napier to, you know, press behind the scenes of this is what we need. We know we're not hiding behind a, a, a curtain here. We know what's going on behind the scenes of college football right now and how much name, image, and likeness and all the money that comes along with it is affecting recruiting in college football. You know, there needs to be a sense of urgency. I'm thinking from Billy Napier to, hey, this is what we need. This is what we got to have. I believe somewhere, uh, I saw, I remember seeing the article in the spring, or maybe even after Billy Napier was hired, is this war chest that Florida needs, $20 million. That's the cost of doing football and building a roster at the University of Florida. And I don't think Florida even got close to that. So when you sit here and look at the, the 20 signees, it's a good quantity over quality class or quality over quantity class, but just need more of that quality. And we know the route to get there. So it's getting the message to Scott Strickland, who can, besides Billy Napier, can go to the boosters, can go to the UAA, all the necessary people who need to get behind this. We, we know what it takes. We know what is needed. There needs to be a sense of urgency at every level at University of Florida. And you're off to a good start in 24. That start needs to stay there. And we know how it stays there. 
I think we learned a whole lot of lessons. I think Billy Napier learned a whole lot of lessons. And I hope all the people that need to get involved learn the lessons as well. If you want Florida to return to the lead of college football, there's one path to do so. And we know what that path is. Money, NIL, there's no sense in hiding behind it. We know what's going on. Now, you still have your Alabamas and your Georgias and your Ohio States and Clemsons of the world that can sell success and maybe not have to quote-unquote overpay for guys. Now, this is a lot like NFL free agency. If, you, if you're going to a team that hasn't had a lot of success, you're going to demand more money as an NFL free agent. And when you know, we can sit here and hit on Miami all we want, and maybe they overpay for this guy or that guy. Don't get me wrong. I know there's a culture fit that goes behind this, and you know, maybe there's a certain value that Billy Napier and the staff and this you know, administration or whatever are, are, are putting on certain guys, but also you can't dig yourself a hole. And as I said it many times, you're worth what somebody's willing to pay. Now, maybe there's a, a locker room component to this, and you don't want to tear the locker room apart, but at the same time, you know, maybe there needs to be some fluidity some flexibility to this. You can't dig yourself such big of a hole that you can't climb out of it. So I think there needs to be a sense of urgency here not to get in that big of a hole. You're, you're in a hole. I mean, Billy Napier started in a hole when you compare it to the likes of Alabama and Georgia and the rest of the SEC that you got to go in and go against game in, game out, week in, week out. Every single day and week of the year. It doesn't stop. This is a cutthroat league. You got to go get the talent to compete. And maybe this will be some slow rebuild. Who's going to have the patience for that? And that's not a knock. I'm, I'm, I'm literally asking who's going to have the patience for that. Is Scott Strickland going to have the patience for that? Or the big boosters who will spend money in buyouts, but not necessarily on the NIL recruiting side of it. How patient will they be? I mean, if you're going to spend all this money in buyouts, doesn't it make more sense to get out in front of it and, and, and help the, the program now where it's probably more important? That's how I'd see it. I mean, if I'm those guys, I'm probably tired of paying buyouts. And no matter if you agree of players getting money, that is college football right now. And if you want to win ball games, there's one way to do it. I'm not putting this class so much on the staff. Did they do perfect? No. I'm, that's not, I'm not t- absolving the staff here at all. In some form or fashion, I am. But, no, that, that, I mean, offensive line recruiting, the strategy there, I wasn't a big fan of. Linebacker, defensive tackle. And don't get me wrong, there, there were some misses here. It's not all, all money. But I think if that side of it was there, there'd be a couple more prospects in this class. That would have helped the staff. So you just got to go. Got to go. Got you. Got to get with the times. This isn't. This isn't college football like it used to be. Will the market stabilize? Will it get back to it? I mean, everybody kind of saw this coming. Once you open Pandora's box, there, there's not many ways to go back. And college football is only getting bigger. Only more money involved. So, 
there's my spiel. <laughs> yeah, I probably should have done it the other day, but after a couple more misses yesterday, I wasn't really waiting on that. But when kind of when the dust settles a little bit with this class, which is what it kind of has done the last couple of days, get on the soapbox a little bit. But talking about sense of urgency, let's just kind of expand that a little bit. Where's the sense of urgency in the transfer portal right now? You brought in quarterback Graham Mertz. He committed to the Gators. Defensive lineman Caleb Banks. By the way, he got a rating on 24-7. Um, and let me, let me go to it. He, they re-rated him a four-star in the transfer portal. So I know there's not a lot of production to go back. We, we spoke about him a couple of weeks ago. But they did give him a rating of 90 and a four-star for the 6.62. Well, they have him 255. He's up at the 300 range now. So he's going to be an immediate impact defensive tackle. We talked about the help Florida needed there. Will Norman only coming in as a high school recruit. Caleb Banks comes in, transfer from Louisville, now rated as a four-star. So they see some potential there. We see the potential there. But there's not a lot of production to speak to. So, But at the same time, you know, we're waiting on word from Taraja Mitchell, the linebacker from Ohio State. But where's the sense of urgency in the transfer portal? There's been plenty of targets out there at positions of need for the Gators. And meanwhile, if you go to yesterday, we'll continue on the Georgia train. Unfortunately, they're loading up at wide receiver, getting two of the top wide receivers in the transfer portal. Let me see. I didn't have. Uh, do they have a transfer portal ranking for the receivers position? Here we go. Let's see where these receivers, because I know the guys are good. Uh, they put all of them there. But. Yeah, never mind. They're not doing it the way I thought they would. But, okay, Georgia loads up at receiver. Pull two of the best wide receivers in the portal. I don't need to look at rankings to tell me these guys are really good. <laughs> I know they are. Two SEC wide receivers. Dominic Lovett from Missouri, who was at near the top of the SEC all season long. And then Rod Rod Thomas from Mississippi State. They were two of the top wide receivers in the portal both commit to Georgia yesterday, as if Georgia needed any more help. But they're showing a sense of urgency there. They know they need some help at receiver. And so not only are they still recruiting very, very high at the high school level, they go and pull in two of the top receivers without really an explosive offense to sell, at least compared to the others out there. We'll see what FSU's been able to do in the portal. Not only last year, but they're hitting it hard again this year. That seems to be their strategy now. Their recruiting class at the high school level, nah, that, <laughs> you know, you, you would hear, sit here and say results on the field matter a whole lot. Didn't help FSU's high school class all that much. They had some drops, um, some flips on signing day away from them. Uh, but the portal does seem to be an advantageous route for them. They're hitting the portal a lot and well. They're getting quality players in the transfer portal. Now, for Florida, waiting on bowl games, that, that is one side of it that I'm hearing. There, there are some targets that are playing in bowl games that are not, out of respect for their current schools are going to wait to announce. That doesn't mean Florida's getting them. I, just, I call them targets. 
Still got to go land those guys. So I do, I do think that's one angle, but I don't think that's a complete reason for the slow start we see from Florida in the portal. There's some quality players that are out there already choosing to go elsewhere. That position's a need for the Florida. I mean, Florida could have used a Dominic Lovett. They could have used a raw, a raw, raw Thomas. Even with this good wide receiver class that Florida has coming in, Florida needs more proven playmakers at the position. You don't want to have to rely on true freshmen. And I think one of those guys can, Eugene Wilson's probably who I'm looking at, get to come in and, and make an immediate impact. But there's, there, there's some out there that I thought maybe should be a little more aggressive for Florida. And then to wrap up this episode, Michael Tarquin, surprisingly on Thursday, talking about the transfer portal here, of acquiring talent for the Gators world. This one for Tar- Tarquin leaving the Gators when it looked like he was probably going to be the right tackle for the Gators. And just posted here, I just looked up my phone because I felt it vibrate. Jordan Young, cornerback for the Gators. Had that really good spring game last year. He's on his way out. So two more. You know, that one kind of expe- that one doesn't surprise me at all. Tarquin, hey, that was a surprise. Does open up two more roster spots for Florida, but as we just saw, you just signed a class of 20 for the high school class. And so you have some roster room. Florida would have taken more than 20, of course, if they could have. Got some of the higher level guys, but that's you do have some roster room here. Does that make Florida? Go try and get some more. But going back to Tarquin in the offensive line, of course, this isn't Florida's first deflection transfer away on the offensive line. Yusef McGarble. Was one four star four star offensive lineman Florida had. He transferred out of the program. You had uh, Josh Braun transfer to Arkansas. Uh, he was thought to be at least fighting, possibly fighting for a starting role in spring practice, at least in the two deep. But he's probably going trying to go somewhere where he can start. And I still don't think that was guaranteed at Florida, even if Florida lost some guys. Of course, Osiris Torrance, the All American, he's on his way out, going to the NFL. Richard Garage declared. So there's just four names, whether through the NFL draft or the transfer portal, Florida has already lost four offensive linemen. Tarkin, Tarquin, Braun, McGarble, Torrance, Garage. So for that, for the Gators... Tarquin was looking like to be your right tackle while Austin Barber, who filled in for Tarquin, Tarquin did get hurt in against the Kentucky game in the Kentucky game earlier this season. Barber comes in and plays well, very well, and was in the rotation for the rest of the season. So what it looked like was maybe Austin Barber at left tackle to take over for Richard Garage. You have Ethan White at left guard, Kingsley Aguakin at center. And then the bowl game, we saw Cameron Waits at right guard, and he did struggle there. But I do think in the end, he's going to end up being the right tackle. So maybe with that, now I don't know if Waits would have been good enough to supplant Tarquin here. So that's 
I think that's part of the equation, but I don't think that was going to be the case. I think that was Tarquin's job to lose. I know the coaches are high on weights. So Florida right side of the offensive line in flux right now. Trying to figure some things out. That's what spring practice will be for. We'll see how Florida lines up there in the springtime. But definitely some more of a question there at a you know at a at a position group that there's not a lot of high level talent to point to. And we saw the two games this year without Osiris Torrance. The LSU game where Florida struggled running the ball beyond a big Anthony Richardson run. And uh, Montreal Johnson tossed up went for 40 yards. Besides that, didn't do much in the run game when Osiris Torrance out. You could definitely tell Osiris Torrance was out in the bowl game versus Oregon State. And we know there was a lot more going on around that game. But still, the two games without Osiris Torrance did not look good for the Gator offensive line. You're definitely not going to have him next year. And now you lost a guy who was able to contribute a good bit this year. Now, part of this, I think, um, we just talked about the NIL side of college football, and maybe this is part of Tarquin going somewhere else. I mean, there are guys on Florida's, if you're a good player on the Florida roster, of course, I think other schools are going to be coming after Florida, those Florida players. So another angle of name, image, and likeness of now we, we heard it over and over again is keeping the talent you already have. So just going through, buddy Bill Sykes sent me the list of offensive linemen Florida has. You know, we were just kind of, you know, discussing the last couple of days. But you have Ethan White, Riley Simons, Kingsley Aguacan, Richard Leonard, Jake Slaughter, Cam Waits, Austin Barber, Jalen Farmer, Christian Williams, David Connor, and now you get to Roger Kearney, Nigel Harris, Bryce Lovett, and possibly Caden Jones. The only four-star from the high school ranks there is Roger Kearney. Cam Waits didn't even play high school football, played basketball, so wasn't rated. Ethan White has... Overplayed his three-star ranking. Kingsley Aguacan, there at center, a lot of experience. Didn't have the year I thought he would have this past year. But an SEC starter. Austin Barber, really high on him. Schools were coming after him, by the way. <laughs> I wanted to see how interested he would be to leave Florida. So there's your offensive line right now. You know, what is it? Florida doesn't have many offensive tackles here. I mean, four for sure that I think, you know, Barber, Waits, Connor, and we'll see what happens with Caden Jones. You don't get Caden Jones, then I might even just say you might only have three with Barber, Waits, and Connor. So Florida, speaking of transfer portal, out. Looking at transfer portal in for possible offensive tackles out there. Florida needs it. Really needs it. And then there you go. Uh, the recent news of Jordan Young. Transferring away from the program. Had that really good spring game. Last year, but didn't. Um, I think he was hurt, if I remember right. Come at, at points of this fall camp or this fall season, this football season. Wasn't able to get on the field a whole lot. 
So that was one that I was not surprised. As I was going through, if Florida's going to try and make some more roster room, now I'm not saying he was forced out. I, I don't. I don't. I have to go through and kind of maybe follow up here. Was he forced out? Did he, as I said, not really satisfied with the playing time he got this past fall, and with the defensive back class Florida's bringing in? Maybe see the writing on the wall that it wasn't going to be an easy path for a starting position. This coming up, I mean, maybe you, you go through spring to kind of see where you're at, but it looks like he probably wants to get a head start here. But I could see because of the defensive back, the heavy number defensive back class Florida brought in, maybe seeing might be better to take his chances elsewhere. So hopefully, <laughs> we do. Speaking of the transfer portal, we see a lot more movement coming up there for the Gators for some instant impact for next season. I mean, I, I don't know if you guys feel like I do. I know we're looking at the transfer portal for immediate impact to maybe see some better results next year. But this is, uh, at least right now, I don't know where you point to next year for some improvement unless Florida gets hot and heavy in the transfer portal coming up. All right, but there we go. Guys, thanks for hopping on here. On this episode of Gators Breakdown, taking a look back at all these recruiting storylines, transfer portal storylines. And right around here this Christmas, it's like I said, I'm recording this before Christmas, the week of Christmas. I will be out of town. So one more episode to throw at you before that. And I have to get you by <laughs> until after the new year. But everybody, one more time, happy holidays. Hope you have a Merry Christmas. Spend time with the family. I'll be doing the I'll be doing that. But everybody, thanks so much for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown, being part of it, another football season. I'm your host, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Guys and girls out there, thank you for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown.